Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. It was the best of times. It was the worst. She was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man. These are the things that made England. We shall fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And the king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! Hello everyone and welcome to the Things That Made England. We have to start, Royfield, with an Mm -hmm. apology, don't we? Uh, You can apologise. I'm pretty confident that I've done nothing wrong. I think you have. I think it's mainly your fault. I mean, it's usually your fault. Well, it's only my fault if what you're going to say is the reason why, one of the many reasons why we haven't put out a podcast in about three months is the fact that I have a new podcast out called Map Corner and people can find it by going onto a podcatcher of their choice and typing in the words map and corner and they'll see a great podcast where I talk to people about my love of maps. So essentially what you're saying is, so a couple of things actually we've seen here. One is that you're going to take an, an occasion where you should have apologised as an excuse to promote your wares. And secondly, <laughs> the reason why I haven't been doing the things that made England is that you found a, found a better friend who's more important to you. Well, is that, I mean, is that a reasonable summary? If I, it's, if I fairly, it there? it's fairly safe to say that my new podcasting partner, Claire Asprey, has a more comely shape than you, David. So, uh, yes, we... I, uh, I think that's highly sexist. <laughs> It's also highly accurate. Well, well. that is probably true. Mm. But um, anyway, let's move away from sex, Royfield, because, you know, I talk far too much about that. We we are English after all. Yeah, that's right. We don't talk about that. Uh, Right. So um, so that's a kind of apology. Was there an apology in there? So I'll apologize. I'm very sorry that we've been away for so long, but you've probably been enjoying it anyway. So welcome back to Things (laughs) That Made England. The idea of this show, just to remind you, because it's been so long, is uh, to decide what things make England as she is, the country that, despite it all, that's why I know why we say despite it all. You know, why would we say that? Let's cut that out. We feel very lucky to be part of. So each week, as you know, one of us pitches an idea to the other to be designated as one of those things that makes England distinctive and go inside the cabinet designed by Jennifer, which is a bit of a triumph, isn't it? Mm, it is. England cabinet. Also, you saying despite it all, 
belies your left of centre leaning, sir. That's a very... That's why it's going. I'm not going to be left of centre anymore. Really? Yeah, no. I've decided that I'm going to be apolitical. Hmm. Well, let's see, shall we? I joined the Liberal Democratic Party. Did I tell you that? Or really the independent group? Whoa, is that the case? No, we're the Lib Dems. Anyway... (laughs) Well, you're trying to say that the Liberal, the Liberal Democratic Party, which is the what the second oldest political party in Britain, yeah. is apolitical. No, I was I was kind of talking rubbish, Mo- mocking their centrist views. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's crack on with the yes, show, let's David. Let's crack on without the, all the politics. So off we go then with uh, the first of a new series, and I have decided to present first because. Essentially, I'm the one that does most of the work here. I have decided to present first, and I'm going to present to Royfield the idea that England's geography is an essential part of the things thing that makes her so. Mm-hmm. Okay, Royfield, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you limbering your argumentative lips? Uh, I'll tell you what I am doing is I'm typing in England into Google Maps. So I have a graphical representation of the land that we love right in front of us whilst you opine. Are you, have you got a Google Maps in front of you because you've just got a new podcast called Map Corner, by any chance? <laughs> You're good. Well done. Hey, <laughs> well done. Look at that. Say, I'm working for you, Royfield. I'm working for you. Anyway, so geography. So, and I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. You know, I kind of know what you're going to say before you say it, Royfield. Hmm. Do you want to know what you're going to say? I mean, just because it might... Every you know, country is defined in part by its job. That's exactly what you were going to say. But in response to that, Royford, I'm going to tell you that each country's geography defines themse- themselves in a different, unique way. All right? Ooh, okay. So, I am something of a fan of England. Is geography. that true, though, David? Yeah, because of we, it ha- is. We, have, we have island nations everywhere. I do. I did. Are we? Is England an island nation? No, 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 no. No. Listen, there you go. So why are you bring up island nations? All right. You know what? Why don't you start? Yes. I jumped in too soon. What a good idea. So I'm going to talk about big things. And I'm going to talk about little things because I think that is the way that England is actually. Mm-hmm. So the big one, of course, is that we are part of a small archipelago um, mm-hmm. off the northwest coast of Europe, in the middle of the sea. I think that's a reasonably fair description. The continent of Europe has had the poor fortune to be separated from us, the poor things. And we can look at this in two ways. So look, we are cut off from Europe and therefore to a degree we're insulated from their cultural influences. And as we have found out, that can make us a bit isolationist, a bit quirky, or it can make us global, whichever approach you wish to take. Mm-hmm. The fact that on this archipelago, there is one nation which is much bigger than the others, namely England, has led to an uncomfortable relationship between its inhabitants, which means that one of those nations is essentially roundly detested by the other ones, which is, you know, unfortunate. (laughs) It has to have an impact on our psyche, doesn't it? You know, being (laughs) continually disliked by your neighbours has got to make you in a certain way. To be fair, they don't just dislike us because our population dwarfs uh, theirs. We've also done some quite crappy things to them historically. Have we, though? You know, the way of the world is that nation beats up nation. Wales have got a lot to complain about. Ireland, of course, you know, well, they can complain to us the rest of our lives and we can't stop saying sorry. But I exclude from this list Scotland. Mm-hmm. OK, I, Just I, I that's that fair. Uh, but Though, I would say that, that those relationship is a function, not of the English being any nastier than any other nation in the world. I think it's absolutely uh, not the case. 
But the fact that all the way through history until however recently, larger nations, larger peoples have tried to dominate smaller ones. Is that not true? There's a certain, that rings a certain kind of ring of truth. So, Indeed. Yeah, c- continue. So, I mean, that there is one consequence of the way that the English are. It is difficult, though not impossible, to be invaded, which is a contributory factor to us being a highly centralised political state, unusually early. So Anglo-Saxon England was far and away the most centralised, integrated state in medieval Europe. Um, and that, ha- that has continued all through our history. Regionalism in England has been far weaker than other nations like France, for example, were much more particularism than, uh, than we have. Uh, mm. And I think it's led to a very strong sense of, of self until that's been challenged recently. But through most of our history, I think England has had a very strong sense of self. And to a degree, that's led to a, a certain level of, uh, of independence and isolationism. Though it's interesting to contrast our centralised nature with the fact that we still have so many regional uh, dialects, though the, the regional dialects are, are, are dying. But up until let's say the 1950s or so, uh, we had a multiplicity of accents and stuff. But you are right that Norman yoke and then before it, uh, the, the Saxon yoke w- w- was uh, a hard one for people to, to, to fight against in terms of unifying the country politically. Yeah, it's true. Although I wonder whether we have any more dialects, A, whether we have any more dialects than anybody else. We're in the wrong episode here, aren't we? Mm. And actually, they'd say the dialects aren't necessarily dying. They're saying that vocabulary is converging and grammar is diverging, is what I read. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take your word on that. That's but... very rare. You will? No, no, no. <laughs> but, when, when, but just when you consider that... The average English Shire, let's take Norfolk as an example, oh, has, not, has not had the same amount of political importance as, let's say, I don't know, Brittany in France or Alsace-Lorraine um, as, as a region. It hasn't had that level of political importance. You know, the, there was no Duke of Norfolk that was uh, raising levies, raising armies post i don't know 1400 to go and do anything but still it's not actually quite true listeners but but never mind karen i take your point yeah but still so somebody from from that neck of the woods has a very strong sense of identity and they have an accent which is distinct uh though um there is there is no antecedents of political independence of regional independence in a way that let's say the um various regions of france would have or even spain um etc etc yes it is interesting i agree i mean norfolk of course is particularly extreme examples you know as far as people of norfolk is concerned if he split us off and towed the rest of the british isles and sunk it i don't mm. think the people in norfolk would even notice well if, if, i think they're if, a little if, bit unusual in that if there is one bit of the of the united kingdom which is going to sink pretty fast it's actually going to be norfolk well that so is probably low true and flat well, but anyway I, I take your analogy anyway, though so i think i've made my first point that the the fact that we are an archipelago the fact that one of the bits of the archipelago is much bigger than everybody else has led to an extremely fractious relationship between them and i think contributed to the english psyche but david haven't you just displayed the reason why the scots dislike us because you said we are an archipelago we're not we are not 
Britain is an archipelago. Yeah, well, that is, that is exactly but, but why England, I'm using the phrase archipelago. When we, I'm we, saying that all of us who inhabit that archipelago... Oh, OK. All right, because I thought our podcast were the things that made England. So exactly, thought, but the fact so, our so, neighbours so, have helped make us, have they not? Oh, OK. All and right. in fact, it's well, even been suggested that we have an episode on the Scots, the Welsh and the Irish, because they have indeed a very big part of what yes. we are. Mm. Ah. Okay. All right, cool. That's quite anyway. nice, though, wasn't there, where I squirmed out of that one? <laughs> you did a very good job. You did a very good job, as you were, as you were. The fact that England is a peninsula surrounded on two sides by sea mm-hmm. has led us to be able to rely on a single strategy, single military strategy, namely the Navy. And if you think about water in a different way, okay, it divides us from Europe, but it also connects us. And especially in the Middle Ages, water was a, a rather more efficient means of travel often than was going by land. You know, if you wanted to go from, for example, Scotland to Ireland, it's only 19 miles between the two, and it's far quicker to go around all the highlands and islands of Western Scotland by boat than it is to try and tramp up and down all the peninsulas and cross little bits of water and so on. So it is also a connector, and that the English Channel, important channel of trade uh, along the coast of Europe and England, So water has also been an opportunity for us. And of course, the big one is that when the new world uh, opened up, if I can call it that, what what do I have to call it these days? Anyway, whether England was able to go west, England was Mm -hmm. closest to the west, England was able to create those contacts. And, you know, with a few lacunae in between, the result is kind of the British Empire combination of a single military strategy, the Navy developed consciously with a strategic aim and our position in Europe has led to England as part of Britain's future history as a a global world power. Hmm. Well, just as a slight point of pedantism, Ireland... Pedantry, to be pedantic. Well, Ireland is closer to North America. Yeah, Ireland was part of um, Britain at that point. But those explorers that went were English and Scottish. And it's because of our proximity and the size of our economy mm. relative to um, the rest of Europe. So those early explorers were English, Scottish, they were Dutch, they were French, they were Spanish and Portuguese because of, because of geography, but also because of the vibrancy of all of those um, economies. And in large part, as you, as you said, it's because of our proximity to water and because these nations were bounded by the sea, but also had large navigable rivers. So they were trading nations. OK, so this is going great. You're accepting all my propositions. I'm liking this. So that's the big thing. Um, now, somebody said, very clever person said that England doesn't have a climate. It has weather. Mm-hmm. Which is very true, because the, we don't have anything extreme about our weather. Our weather is, and I'm going to prove it to you, is the best in the world. So we're surrounded on two sides by water here in uh, in England, if you can be surrounded on two sides. That means that there's a very moderating influence in terms of climate, because the sea, as you know, doesn't vary mm-hmm. as much in terms of temperature. We also have the Gulf Stream, which isn't a million miles away, although obviously it's off the coast of Wales and Scotland. All of that has meant that we have very temperate climate. You know, it never gets too hot. Uh, which is a relief because I can't stand hot weather. It never gets too cold, which is a bit of a shame because I quite like cold weather. And it has made us a green, pleasant and fertile land, a land which we've always been very proud of, actually. If you go back, you know, all the way to the chroniclers of the the 11th century, all the way through, you can read 
the same peon of praise to our green and fertile company, country, which I know everybody, uh, every country in the world does. But the point is, it is a very fertile country. And although that took, it wasn't until industrialization, ironically, that we developed as an economy that can compete with the European economies, nonetheless, that has sustained us. So my point is, our position has given us the best weather in the world. Name mm. one place in the world with weather better than England. Benidorm in Spain. Why, why is that better? But it gets hot it's... in summer. Uh, it's yeah, really hot. Exactly. And where and it doesn't look at, really look get at the cold. temperature in Benidorm. And it doesn't really get cold. I'm gonna give a big shout out to the Bay Area when it comes out to weather. The worst it gets in winter is a mild autumn day. Right. You get no hint of snow and you will get lovely days which aren't red hot. You have to go further inland. So I'd contend that this is the first point where I disagree fundamentally with what you said. Okay, well, I'm just going to prove weather. Just going to prove why you're wrong. Okay, but, I, but before I do that, I'm going to tell you an anecdote because I know that you might like anecdotes. All right. When mm. I uh, in 2005, my family and I got an RV. Okay, mm -hmm. camper van in California because my brother lives in the Bay Area. So we went to see him, and I said to my dad, "I said, Dad, we're going to hire a camper van, and we're going to go for two weeks with my family." Because you remember we did it in 1976. I said to him in Canada, and he said, "Oh yeah, I remember that." It was great, wasn't it, Dad? He said, oh, yes, I remember. You whined for two weeks, which I thought was quite fun. Different memories of the same <laughs> event, you know. Mine was very different. Anyway, yeah. so we did this. And um, we came down from the Canyon National Park, and it was very windy, and there was vomit all over the place. We had one tape, one tape only. And as much as I loved the carpenters, you cannot listen to the carpenters day in, day out for two weeks and not hate them. So, we've only just begun... Live life is eternity. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've got a great singing voice, Royf. Uh, <laughs> anyway, don't anyway, do right, this so anecdote. Oh, listen, this is amazing. Anyway. Come on. So down at Benjamin, it was, so we were hot, covered in vomit and, you know, all the rest of it. And we arrive at Santa Barbara and we park in this horrible sort of urban RV park, you know, right next to each other. And we'd just been in, you know, the beauties of Yosemite. So we were grumpy, miserable and horrible. When we walked, the beach, though, was about 100 yards away. We got out, went down to the beach, and it was the most perfect weather I have ever felt. The sands were silver. The weather was perfect. So mm -hmm. I'm accepting part of what you're saying. The trouble is, it's perfect all the bloody time. And my brother sends me emails and he says, oh, the weather's hit 70 degrees and the sky's blue again. And I say, how boring is that? The gorgeous thing about English weather is not only is it not too hot or too cold, but you get proper seasons. And the seasons are a triumph of English weather. I could not live in a place without seasons. Well, I could very easily. And that's the reason why I've chosen to live out here. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is you uh, don't have an allotment that's the problem here the the other thing is as well i don't think we do autumn particularly well in the uk oh come on with brilliant when, autumn leaves david you know. but david you speak to any canadian and oh, well, the Canadians do all you, that better than us yeah well yeah yeah they, they they'll the, every canadian will say my favorite season is autumn or fall as they call it because it's truly red and golden and when those maple leaves fall it is 
spectacular. Yeah, we so, can't compete with autumn with the Canadians. Or or indeed, we went to Vermont actually one year, we can't compete with other. So I'll grant you that. And the Canadians do, you know, mm. do most things better. Picking more yeah, holes man. in your argument. But anyway. Well, I think we're talking one but, exception. But, but, this with the exception of, of the Canadians' attitude to autumn, England has the best weather in the world. Okay? <laughs> I'm afraid to make that small proviso. Anyway, so, onward. All right, so, cool. Is this uh, anecdote over? The the well, the anecdote was thing about Santa Barbara, which you loved. I could tell you loved it. So another thing about our geography is that we happen to be plonked on top of a load of coal and iron, and indeed, of course, as you know, water, the key raw materials required for industrialization. So the process goes that in the 18th century, we learn to harness the innate fertility of our countryside. The, after the Green Revolution, comes the industrial revolution with all that coal iron and water and the rest is history the first country to industrialize for good or ill so our geography in that case had a fundamental effect on our history and indeed on world history and of course there is a big link between the stuff the black stuff which is physically underneath the ground and also being able to extract that and take energy from it uh, which fuels the Industrial Revolution and and the fact that the Midlands and Birmingham was the heart of the Industrial Revolution, Indeed. which then fueled the British Empire. Indeed. Absolutely. I look forward to hearing about it in two weeks' time. So there we go, Royfield. I think I've laid in front of you an extremely compelling, I think is the word we're looking for, compelling set of reasons as to why geography is one of the things that made England. I rest. I think... It's interesting that you haven't talked about the land borders and how they've um, affected English history. So obviously we have a land border with Scotland and one with Wales. And we had these uh, marcher lords in the late medieval period, didn't we? Where we had these uh, marcher lords that were almost, uh, you know, kind of semi-independent of central control. You know, they were English... Um, nobles that sat on the Welsh border and and then of course in those kind of offers dyke you know and I was looking at a map yesterday which I posted on the things that made England website and it's about the spread of English yes, in the nice British map, Isles yeah and it is fascinating that the area of Wales uh, that you know that bit of Celtic language has managed to hold out. That is in part because of, you know, Offa's Dyke, because of the, the, the topography there, the geography there, you know, um, that there is almost a natural border between, let's say, Shropshire and Powys and, and, and whatever. Um, so I'm surprised you didn't mention that. Then of That's course, true. I was thinking of borders as uh, mainly political, but, but you're right, there is to some degree, a natural border between England and Wales and England and Scotland. Although, uh, yeah, OK, I'm prepared to, to take your argument there's something in that. Yeah, and then there is something about the way that we view the north of England as being a little bit, uh, and I mean the far north, I'm not talking about Manchester and Liverpool, I'm talking about, you know, the, like the, you've got like the, the Lake District and the Yorkshire Dales, etc., where that is seen as some kind of harried land, which is still a little bit kind of barren. You know, so is that how you think of it? Well, in terms of... You're a Londoner, um, that's your you get, you, London. No, no, I'm a Brummie. That's uh, your but, problem. But in terms Yorkshire of... Dales, it's the 
no, no, no. I'm saying they are gorgeous, but but they aren't particularly built up in terms of human population. So we almost feel like we're coming to the end of England. You know, we're not talking about, let's say, the border between Holland and Belgium, where there are towns either side, right? That you almost feel like you're coming to the physically to the end of England, and then another, then another place starts in terms of population. It's incredibly beautiful. I'm I'm not denigrating it at all. I'm right. But there is there is almost like a notional end to to the country in terms of the north. And then, of course, that end of the country is almost kind of been there before there even was in England, because there's a reason why Hadrian Hadrian's Wall is there, that it's relatively narrow. The north of the of, of, of the island of Britannia, Caledonia, was seen as, as as a wild wild land with with these clans with these people that the Romans either couldn't conquer or couldn't be bothered to conquer, and and I would say that um, that attitude has echoes to this day. I'd like to say that I uh, agree with you because I like you know basically compliant, but I don't really know that I understand what you mean, David. What I'm saying is not much happens in Cumbria. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brummy Londoner. Much happens in Cumbria as happens. It just happens anywhere. You know, it just happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I you know I can't engage with that argument clearly. I, I mean, it's our lungs, isn't it? The North is our. Um, well, I'm talking about the, the far north. Yeah, as, as I said at the start, Cumbria, I'm not talking about Cumbria, Manchester. Yeah, I'm not uh, about yeah. Well, the, the exception of you know the coast, Teesside and Tyneside, it, the last remaining vestiges of you know, some green space. So, uh, Royford, do you have any other defence, or we're we just going to say, look, this is you're absolutely right. Geography is one of the great things that defined uh, England, and we're going to pop it into. I just think that your subject matter is a winning one. Yeah. But I, I just think ooh, ooh. that's a result. But I just think that you know your execution has been poor ah. because <laughs> because you could have mentioned that it's the last refuge of the scoundrel, <laughs> the last refuge of the scoundrel. Because you that's could have mentioned insults. you did mention you did mention the fact that we're very close to continental Europe, but the very fact that you can be sat in Kent and you can see France has had a very strong uh, echo through English history and vice versa. So when Napoleon in what, 1805 says, right, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna invade these buggers, right? And he, and he, brings, his grand, he brings his army up, you know, and he can physically see and we can see, and we can see them. Right, that that's an aspect of, of uh, the proximity of geography, which I think has been very powerful. Yeah, I think um, it would be ridiculous. I mean, I was joking at the beginning, to a degree, anyway. Um, but obviously, if you have an argument that the sea is a connector as well as a divider, um, mm. you're absolutely right. The the influence in Kent of the continent is very early. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot of Frankish settlements in uh, after the Romans leave, which is kind of ignored by Bede. But a lot of uh, Franks come across from the Channel and settle in Kent. And obviously, we've been affected by a culture in Europe, you know, enormously. And thank God for that. However, the divide has allowed us also to have a level of isolationness that, that isn't possible in, say, the Low Countries or, you know, the, the east of France or, or wherever, because you haven't got that great divide. Mm. No, no, no. 
I'm just saying, you know, I think your your, your premise is a, is a good one, but I just think you could have, you could have done more homework, really, oh, more, 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 more examples, that's all. <laughs> Thanks, and okay. Well, I, could I just formally apologise, Royfield, for not being brilliant <laughs> enough? Right. Okay, so uh, the next episode is going to be... From you, um, and it's going to be what's it going to be? It entices, teases. It, it's going to be it's going to be um, my hometown of Birmingham because I, I put it to you and I put it to our dear listeners that Birmingham is the most quintessentially English place you could ever hope to visit. Oh, and I'll explain the reasons why. David, you know what? We, what we don't do, we don't ask our listeners to go on to Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, or a podcatcher of their choice, and write us a review often enough. Um, David and I would love you dearly if you wrote us a review. And I'd like to say that even if you don't write a review on the, um, the application formerly known as iTunes, we will still love you. Well, I don't know. My, my love can be bought. My love, <laughs> is, anyway, my love, is, my love now, is pretty fickle. If we weren't rambling before, we certainly are now. So... Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. And it's good to be back. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And these are the things that made England. England. And St. George. These are the things that made England. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to visibly firmer, summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.